our deepest fears that we are powerful beyond measure. I will live every day as if it were a microphone tucked under my tongue. It's great to get in the game, but don't get in the game until you understand the rules until you're an insider. Your life changes when you begin having a different conversation in your head. What we need to do in radically deep problems is propose radically visionary solutions. Because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. So we are coming to the end of another eventful year. Another 12-month bundle of opportunities and challenges and resets. Hopefully, you are about to embark on a well-deserved break. And that is exactly what the Inside Influence team and myself will be doing for the next few weeks. So we're going to take our usual festive step back. We're going to rest up, recalibrate, re-inspire ourselves for 2023. And we will be coming back hard in January with another stellar lineup of guests. However, if you need some inspiration to get you thinking and planning for the next year, do not worry. We have you covered. Our holiday season of Power Cut episodes will be dropping again once a week for the next six weeks. That is where we go through some of our favorite conversations of the year, drill them down into the most insightful or useful moments and bring it to you as a series of bite-sized pieces of gold. No fluff. Just 20 minutes of drop-dead powerful wisdom. And you know, this year was a tough one. This is usually my favorite time of year when we get to go through this process. But, you know, this year, quite frankly, so many amazing conversations, so many incredible human beings, so many moments of gold just for me that I grabbed onto with both hands and ran with throughout the year. But choose we had to. So to kick us off for the first Power Cut episode is the amazing Michael Port. Michael Port is a New York Times, Wall Street Journal, best-selling author, TED speaker, and co-founder and CEO of Heroic Public Speaking. Over the last two decades, Michael has written eight books that have made it, I'll say that again, eight books that have made it onto the bestseller lists of the New York Times, including Steal the Show, Book Yourself Solid, and The Referrable Speaker. That's not too bad for somebody who was told by his fourth grade teacher that he had the worst spelling she had seen in 25 years of teaching. Since that time, and together with his wife and co-founder Amy, he has also built heroic public speaking worldwide, offering the most complete and effective speaker training in the world, all centered around teaching speakers what actors have always known, how to craft an authentic performance during their presentations, pitches, and life's high stakes moments. His clients include CEOs and founders, admirals, Navy SEALs, and FBI agents, Olympians, politicians, but apparently, in his words, only the nice ones, best-selling authors and leaders of global movements. In this part of our conversation, we are discussing a simple guide to compelling structure for presentations, including the five foundational elements to any powerful speech, that being number one, the big idea, number two, the promise, three, the demonstration, four, the consequences, and five, the rewards, plus the number one mistake people make when putting together their own compelling presentations. If you are looking to take your communication or speaking skills to the next level next year, this one, I promise you, is 100% for you. Meanwhile, Merry Christmas from us at Inside Influence to you wherever you are, and please enjoy the amazing insights of Michael Port.
I want to I want to kind of pull back a little bit here to the craft yes. for a second. Sure. Because there were so many questions. I mean, so much language used there, contextual model. You know, I could talk to you about this all day, but I want to go to the craft for a second, and I just want to talk about structure. Because one of the questions that I get asked a lot is, you know, what does what does a great speech look like? How what is how do I become a great presenter? And the first reply I always give is is structure. It's structure. You know, as you said, don't wing it. You don't pick up a guitar without learning the chords first and think that you're just gonna, you know, maestro your way to something beautiful. You're not. You're gonna learn the foundational moves. And the foundational moves always stay the same. So let's talk about the foundational moves, the core chords of a great presentation. Is there a particular structure that you work with or the elements that Mm -hmm. you use? Yeah, so we use a number of different processes to give people a way in. As I said earlier, we don't think there's only any one way to do creative work. So our goal is to give our students as many different processes as possible to get into the development process uh, to then find their own voice Uh, and their own structure uh, throughout. Because again, it's not formulaic in terms of how you develop a speech. You know, for example, they say, tell them what you're going to tell them, then tell them, then tell them what you told them. Yes, I I could see the value in that formula in some circumstances, but it's absolutely not necessary to do. In fact, you know, imagine you turned on the television when you were about to watch an episode of Breaking Bad. And, you know, Brian Cranston is there at the beginning, he's the lead actor, and he says, listen, let me tell you what's going to happen in this episode. And he walks you through the whole thing. And you go, okay, enjoy. You're going to be like, what? 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 It's the reason I can't, do you watch trailers, you know, like coming next week? Never. Because if you watch that, you're going to know what happens and you don't want to know what happens. It takes all the fun out of it. There's no wonder or sense of, of, there's no thrill or sense of excitement or curiosity gap. So you don't need to tell them what you're going to tell them and then tell them and then tell them what you told them. You can take them on a journey. I just say that because a lot of the things that you read about speaking um, are not necessarily rules of thumb. They're just tactics or tips that, you know, authors who write content pieces for blogs recycle again and again, like start with a story. Well, No, not really always. And we also probably want to start with a good story that is connected to our big idea that has a moment of reflection. And so it's more nuanced than I think the the way we often treat it. But there are a few elements that do exist in a great pitch or a speech or an argument. uh, And I'd love to detail them for you uh, briefly. We certainly could talk about them for weeks, but Um, But there are five foundational elements that we see exist in most great speeches and pitches um, or arguments. And the first is a big idea. Now, a big idea doesn't need to be different to make a difference. It just needs to be true for the people that you serve. It needs to resonate with them. Um, But if you're only worried about being different, you're probably going to come up with something that nobody really wants. So number one, a big idea. And we, we uncover this big idea by going on an investigation and asking a question that Google can't answer. Number two, a promise to the audience. Every speech or pitch has some sort of promise. And we want to be really clear about what that promise is. Number three, being able to articulate, being able to demonstrate, illustrate how the world looks to the people in the room. 
Because even if as a, as a speaker or thought leader uh, in sales, it doesn't matter what you're doing. If the, even if your solution is exactly what they need, but they don't think you understand them, they'll walk. They go, yeah, 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 that's, that's great. You, but you don't understand my, my, I'm different. My situation is different. I, you, I get what you're saying. It's probably right, but you don't get me. Now, if they feel like, wow, you understand me, you get me, you know exactly what I'm going through. In fact, you're even empathetic. Wow, that's going to go a long way. So number one, the big idea. Number two, the promise. Number three, being able to demonstrate what the world looks like to the people in the room. Number four, being able to articulate the consequences of not adopting the big idea and achieving the promise in a way that resonates with them, that doesn't feel accusatory or, or punitive in some way, but really does address the reality of the consequences of not adopting the big idea and achieving the promise. And then lastly, but certainly not least, being able to demonstrate, illustrate, articulate the rewards of adopting the big idea and achieving the promise from a financial perspective or from a physical perspective or emotional perspective or even a spiritual perspective. And it's going to, that'll be different depending on what you're addressing and who you're addressing. But those five elements exist in, in, in speeches and pitches. In fact, we had a student a few months ago who runs sales for a large organization and he gives speeches like many uh, people who work inside companies to advance the brand of the business. And uh, he sent us a letter. He said, Hey, you know, I tried that foundational five thing, but I tried it in a sales pitch for a for a, a potential client that we were having trouble closing. It was about a year and a half we were working on this deal and it was a big deal and we just couldn't get any traction. So I said, I'm going to throw out everything I've done. I'm just going to use that foundational five, organize my pitch around those five elements and see what happens. They closed $50 million in business that day. Oh my goodness. Now I should say, you know, not all, not typical of all results. $50 million is a lot of dollars. That's a good 24 hours in anybody's day. And I can cherry pick examples, but I'm just saying that this, this framework, if you walk your ideas through, if you walk your argument through, you'll feel really quite comfortable that you've got all your bases covered. And even if you're just having a conversation with somebody about your idea, if you know those five elements, you can have a conversation in three seconds, 30 seconds, three minutes, three hours, three weeks. It doesn't matter because you can continue to address those elements, the big idea, the promise, the, uh, the way the world looks to the audience, the consequences of not adopting the big idea and achieving the promise, and then the rewards of adopting the big idea and achieving the promise. I want to double back on the promise just for a second, because the, the other four, you know, they feel, they feel pretty clear to me. The promise itself, you're not saying to literally, you know, get up in front of people and go, you know, I promise you, or are you, mm -hmm. is that the, is that the language? How do we frame the promise just from a yeah. planning perspective? So I use the word promise intentionally because it often, uh, it often elicits that question because it's a little provocative, you know, a promise, a promise, uh, means different things to different people. I believe that your reputation is built on your ability to make commitments and fulfill them. So I don't use the word promise when, uh, when I'm doing project work. I don't say, when do you promise to have this to me? 
it just feels weird to people. If you ever, you know, if you, if you think about it, I say, when I say, what commitment will you make? Right? What, what date will you commit to? Or what deliverable will you commit to? Uh, and then if you make commitments and fulfill them and you keep doing that, people will trust you. It's a pretty simple process. If you make commitments but don't fulfill them, nobody trusts you. If you won't make any commitments, nobody will play with you. So, you know, that doesn't work either. Um, so in this particular case, let's say I was doing a speech on speaking and I, I was going to make a promise. I can absolutely promise. I have, I have never lost a, a student. I can promise that I can help anyone be better at public speaking. I can make that promise without any hesitation whatsoever. And I imagine in your work, there are things that you can make a promise uh, around with as much confidence, no doubt. I will not promise that I can make someone as effective as Martin Luther King Jr. I can't do that. I can't promise that someone's going to turn into Martin Luther King Jr., but I can promise that they can get better. Uh, you know, someone once said to me, you know, Michael, I, I saw someone who went through one of your training programs and I mean, they were fine, but I didn't think they were like the best speaker I ever saw. I said, did you see them before they started? Because that's the litmus test you should be using. Uh, that's our job here is not to make people the same. Our job is to make people better than they are today in service of the goals that they have. Not everybody has the same goals. Uh, and so that's critically important. But but I think that it's it really is, it means a lot to an audience and to a speaker. And I think it becomes transformational for you as a speaker when your intellectual property is so strong that you can make a promise you can stand behind. I can't promise somebody that they'll make an exact amount of money speaking. I can't, that, you know, I can't do that. I'm not going to promise somebody that they'll double their fee. That would be insane. Does it happen? Yes. Do I expect people are going to be more successful if they get better at it? Of course. So I think that if you're clear on what you're comfortable promising and what you're comfortable not, then you have a clear delineation between the two and it's, it's not an issue. It's not a question for you. And either way, you know, it's an interesting reflection point for you as somebody who has, is obviously stepping into the place of master of your craft of, you know, I have ideas worth sharing. Well, that would be the litmus test, right? Like if these ideas are worth, worth sharing, what are you prepared to stand behind? That's right. What shift or transformation or increase do you believe 100% is possible? And you have seen it, you've walked that road, you've held the hand of other people who have gone down that road as you have hundreds of times. What's the, what's the number one mistake that people make when, they're, when they approach the craft of putting together a speech? Hmm. Well, I, th I think that depends on on who we're talking about and what type of speech they're they're working on. But I think I can give you some generalizations that would apply. And I think one of them is that because you're a subject matter expert, that's enough to deliver a transformational experience. Uh, generally, it is not. It can certainly happen. You know, you can create a transformational experience uh, every once in a while uh, because all the stars align without a lot of work, but it's hard to repeat it. And one of the things that um, that we know contributes to mastery is the ability to reliably deliver at that level again and again and again. Look, Julie, this is why 
if you want a front row ticket to Hamilton on Broadway, you're going to pay a few thousand dollars. But if you want a front row ticket to an improv uh, show, you're only going to pay maybe 15 or 20. Now, if Will Ferrell, if, if, if Will is there and Tina Fey is there and Amy Poehler is there, you're going to pay a lot because now they're celebrities. But the reason that it's a big difference is because every single time the cast of Hamilton put on that show, it works. Because they have spent between, from when uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda started working on it to now, it's over 10 years. It took him one year just to write the song, My Shot. So every time they deliver it, it works because they've been working on it for so long. But at the, at the improv night, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. A couple skits will be funny. A couple of them will really bomb. But you're like, it's fine. It's 15 bucks. I'm here with friends. We're fooling around. It's a nice night. You're not going to spend $2,000 on those improv night tickets unless you know it's going to work. And so I think that this idea that uh, just because, you know, you understand your material and you're charming and people tell you that you have the gift for the gab, that that's enough to really create a transformational experience that people will remember and talk about uh, or that will earn you stateside leads is a mistake that I've seen people make again and again and again and again. So uh, the amount of uh, preparation that you think you need to deliver a transformational experience, I would generally multiply that by probably a factor of 10. So just to, to highlight that, if you believe you need a day to prepare for this opportunity, if that's what you framed in your head, then in actual fact, you need 10. Correct. Minutes. And so take it out further. If you think you need a month, which is what most people do when they think about preparing a speech that's say a 60 minute speech, really they need 10 months. That's a huge amplification. Yes. And I think that it gives credence to how important every single detail is mm -hmm. when you're looking again at the mastery of this, yeah. you know, the, the pauses, the stories, the, the energy map, did the audience come forward? Did they move backwards a little bit just then? And it also gives credence to the getting it out there. Yeah giving it, trying it, doing it over and over again. Correct. It's a little bit like what a comedian does when they're working on material. So generally, when you see a comedy special on Netflix or HBO, that's material that that comedian has been working on for the better part of a year, if not longer. And they may even pull material that's five years old into that new speech. Uh, and I think getting comfortable with the discomfort that comes with the creative process of improving something like a speech or a performance is very important. So uh, I heard a season sorry on NPR a number of years ago, and he was talking about the most inf in impactful moment that he had as a young comedian. And it was, it was at a comedy club, small little comedy club in New York city. Uh, when he was a young comedian, Chris Rock showed up to do a set. Now Chris Rock was uber famous at the time. And, uh, and one of Aziz's heroes. And Chris Rock went out there with some notes, did a couple jokes, bombed about as badly as you could imagine. He got maybe one or two chuckles because he was Chris Rock. The only reason they didn't throw things at him was because he was Chris Rock. And when he walked off stage, uh, Aziz saw him walking down the stairs cracking up. And, and he's like, Oh, wow. wow. So, um, yeah, that didn't seem to go as well as I would have thought it would go. 
And Chris Hawkins is like, oh man, I bombed. That's the greatest thing that happened to me. Because now I know those things aren't going to work. And I got to, and now I know what to go work on. So, you know, professionals, people who have a mastery over the craft are not uncomfortable with the fact that most of what they do doesn't work. This is a critical difference in how the performing artist thinks about their work versus how the corporate artist thinks about their work. Because in the corporate world, you're told, I need this deliverable by Tuesday at five o'clock. You better know how to do it. Don't be ask me any questions. Just sit down, get it done, deliver, client ready, go. It's horrible. No mistakes allowed, ever. But the only way that you create a transformational experience for an audience is by making hundreds, if not thousands of choices that you do not keep in search of stronger choices that are more effective. So our job is just to make really big, bold, high stakes choices early and often, and then decide if it works, we keep it. If it's not working, we make another choice. That choice leads me to the next choice. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and have seized hold of at least one tool, idea, or mindset that will help you start raising your own level of influence. Now, for those of you who want to take the next step in your journey or would just love a roadmap to becoming the most influential voice, idea, or brand in your space, then I have good news. You can now download the latest updated version of my ebook, The Influencer Code, from my website, juliemasters.com. Also, there's a link in the show notes. Just pop in your email address, and I promise I will not spam you, but it is jam-packed full of ideas, tools, and case studies that I have come across in my now 20-plus years of doing this work, not to mention the seven areas and seven core questions that I have found to be hands-down the most valuable when it comes to immediately lifting your ability to make an impact. Download it, keep it, share it, juice it for all it is worth. I hope it makes a massive difference in both your career and your business. Thank you always to my co-founder and the main brain behind this podcast, Lauren Kelly. You kick my butt in all the right ways. Thank you for making it happen. And if you did enjoy the show, then we would love you to share this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, whatever your platform of choice happens to be. And don't forget to subscribe to make sure that you never miss an episode.